You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Open doors can come at any stage, in any age in life. Uh, open doors often come at inconvenient times, and open doors rarely, rarely happen, and it's smooth sailing. Paul wrote at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, and he says, I'm going to stay on an Ephesus for a while longer because a great door has opened for me, and many oppose me. Many of us would be quick to agree that the Christian life can be rather dynamic, to say the least. Oftentimes, some of the most fruitful seasons in our lives come when things feel rather chaotic, overcomplicated, or just flat-out impossible. In today's message, Pastor Danny will encourage you to take heart in the more trying times of your walk with the Lord. In his study, you'll learn how more often than not, the breakthroughs that you so desperately need come during adversity, opposition, and challenge. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 3 as he continues his message, A Door of Opportunity. also used in Matthew chapter 9 verse 25 when Jesus reaches down and he takes hold of a young girl who has died and he raises her from the dead he takes a hold of her same word hold on hold on it doesn't mean hold on and do nothing it means seize the day well what is it it's the open door It's the open door. You've been faithful. You've endured for however long. You have micro strength. You're not looking for an open door, but Jesus has put an open door before you. Now what are you going to do? Do you want to be rewarded fully? Because this is something else God has for this church. Would they walk through the door? Would they be rewarded fully? They're going to make it to heaven. But will they take this maybe last opportunity and take advantage of it? Verse 12, him who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I write on him uh, the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I'll also write on him my new name. I believe that's metaphorical. I don't think you'll literally be a pillar and literally have names on you. But the idea of the names and the pillar, when you put them together, it's so encouraging. 
Philadelphia, ancient Philadelphia, was constantly bombarded uh, and threatened by earthquakes. Uh, one happened in AD 17 that leveled nearby Sardis, leveled it, and greatly affected Philadelphia. And a lot of times after earthquakes like these, uh, in these cities, the only things really left standing were the stone pillars. God's saying, I'll make you a pillar. When everything else crumbles, you're going to make it. And that pillar, the names on the pillar, and one is a new name. He says, it's my new name. There's 26 names for God in the Bible. And this is one he hasn't told us. What does that suggest? You're a pillar. You have a personal relationship. And that relationship is going to get even better. You're going to know Jesus. You're going to know God in a way you've never known him before. I think of Paul's words, the apostle Paul, he says, now we know in part, now we see in part, then we'll know fully. And there's nothing better in life than knowing God. And the greatest thing of heaven is not the streets of gold and not even the new bodies as much as we need them. The greatest thing about heaven is God. Now, let me give you one more note on this pillar thing, because I, I, I love this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you a pillar. You, you have to think of the movie Rocky. don't care who you are. You cannot watch any of the Rocky movies. You can't watch, especially the one where he runs up the steps there in Philadelphia. Come on, Philadelphia. I remember the first time I was there and you just, you, you, you get up the stairs and you, you take my picture. <laughs> then you go over to the Rocky statue and you say, take my picture, you know? Why? Because you just are inspired. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. This is not Hollywood now. The faithful, the faithful, we're going to be the Rockies of heaven. We're going to be the Rockies of heaven. Listen, the world may look and go, you're crazy. The world may look and you've never famous in the world's eyes, but in heaven's eyes, the faithful, Rocky of heaven. I can't wait. <laughs> Woo! Going to have hair like him. Going to have the muscles like him. <sighs> Woo! Got to move on. One last verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the most important verse. Because even if you hear this, and even if you, you, you go away from this church service and go, well, that, was, that was okay, but have you really heard it? How do I know if I've really heard it? How would they have really heard it? The church of Philadelphia, the literal church, the ancient church, this local church, how would we know if they heard what he said? Did they seize the day? Did they go through the open door? And one natural excuse for not going through the open doors, you're like, I just, I'm so tired. They had micro strength. I'm so tired. I just want to hang on. I just want to sit. I just want to, Jesus, please just come. Oh, wait, wait. And that is an option. 
but you won't be rewarded fully. I, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about, I think I know about you. I think, I think you're like me. You don't want to hear him say, well, it was an okay job. But that last opportunity I gave you, how come you didn't, how come you didn't take the step? He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, now, that's the commentary. Let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. I, you just can't make this up. Uh, you just can't make this up. Just a note, the only two of the seven churches that Jesus had no rebuke for, and this is one of them. No rebuke. You've been faithful. You've endured. You've been patient. But, but did, they, did they seize the day? Did they take advantage of the open door? That's the question. And while this needs to be applied, as all Scripture needs to be applied personally, personally, individually, I want, I want to just say we must not forget that this was a message to a church corporately. Now, hang with me in that. Please don't lose me here. It's a corporate message. He's speaking to the whole congregation, right? You, I mean, that's, he's speaking to the whole congregation. This is a congregation that he's speaking to, and he's saying, I know I know you've endured. I know you've been faithful all these years. I know, for, I know for whatever reason, it has to also be connected to the persecution. But, but there may have been other things. We don't know the other reasons. Maybe they're just like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And what a message for me. <laughs> what a message for us. I mean, I look back and I, I want to make a couple of quick comments and then, and then bring in real personal, real personal. Open doors can come at any stage and any age in life. Moses, calling of God on his life, failed miserably, tried to fulfill the will of God in the arm of the flesh. Forty years at seminary on the backside of the desert. Graduation day, God comes in the burning bush and he says, now, now you can go, now you're ready because now he's the most humble man on the face of the earth. But at that point in his life, Moses was not looking for an open door. And if you read the story there in Exodus chapter 2 and 3, Moses gives five excuses, five excuses why he should not be the one to go. You know what the last one was? You remember what the last one was, the fifth one? Uh, Moses says, Lord, would you just send somebody else? Open doors can come at any stage and any age in life. Uh, open doors often come at inconvenient times. And open doors rarely, rarely happen, and it's smooth sailing. Paul wrote at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, and he says, I'm going to stay, going to stay on in Ephesus for a while longer because a great door has opened for me, and many oppose me. You think the persecution stopped when they stepped through the open door? It might have intensified. You think it got easier if they stepped through the open door? It might have got harder. Man, God took me to a story in the Old Testament that so illustrates God coming and giving somebody an opportunity at a most inconvenient time. It's one of my favorite stories. Go with me. I'm just going to summarize it. But Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, verse 11, the angel of the Lord, that's Christ in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, so Christ came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, 
that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. The Midianites are the enemy. They've ravaged the land. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I can't help it. Every time I read this or teach on it, I, I can see Gideon look it up and say, uh, I think you got the wrong wine press. I'm anything but a mighty warrior. And verse 14, as Gideon begins to make excuses, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Verse 15, but Lord Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. It sounds like he's saying little strength. And the Lord answered, I will be with you. That's what you want. That's what you want to hear. I'll be with you. Because if God's with you, done deal. Done deal. And you know the story of Gideon. <laughs> Gideon, he comes and he, he gets his initial command from the Lord. Uh, first go, tear down your father's altar to Baal. And it says in verse 27, chapter 6, because he was afraid of his family. little strength. little faith. little courage. Because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night instead of in the daytime. And then, Spirit of God comes upon him. He blows a trumpet. Uh, he calls for the, uh, anybody to come and join him in the army. You know, let's go fight against the enemy. So he's become a leader, but he still, he still has little strength. And then verse 36, one of the most humorous uh, stories, uh, parts of the story of Gideon to me. Uh, if you'll save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I'll place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I'll know that you'll save Israel by my hand as you said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. You'd think that'd be enough. Let's go fight. <laughs> but then he says, uh, don't be angry with me, Lord. Uh, let me make just one more request. Allow me just one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with you. And that night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with you. You'd think that'd be enough. Then, of course, he, he said, okay, I'm going to go. And he, he starts to go. And God said, wait a minute, you got too many people. Now, he's going up against an innumerable army with relatively a small army. And God says, you've got too many. If you know the story, God whittles it down to 300, 300. God reduces the size and he does a fresh work by reducing things. You just can't make this stuff up. I couldn't help but think about our church. It's amazing. The open door. But it came at a time. I had no strength. Renewed, renewed revival. And look, I'm not going back to the past. Don't, don't worry. We're not. Look, what's done is done. But are you going to sit and moan and complain? Are we going to get with God and look at the open door and say, we're going through the open door? We're going through the open door. And I only got a few minutes. I only got a few minutes. It's a message to the whole church. 
But the open door has to be applied individually. Let me illustrate. What I've heard so much in the last 42 weeks, 42 weeks, 42 weeks. 42 weeks ago, my wife and I stepped away, started all over with nothing except a bunch of you. What a motley crew. And I feel so at home with you because I'm a motley crew. And here's what I've heard repeatedly. I've gotten to know people that I never would have gotten to know before. Relationships have been built. The fellowships that have been started, and I don't even have somebody on a staff to say, by the way, could you organize the fellowships? Could you check on how the fellowships are going? I've been wondering how they've been going. I've been getting reports. Now, I don't know if yours maybe is not going good, but the reports I've got, are they going off the chart? I mean, the one where Allie, I mean, I, I said, it's free enterprise, small groups. And as long as you're not a weirdo, as long as what you want to do is not unbiblical, that Jesus is the foundation, but do any kind of fellowship you want. And Allie's like, well, I, you know, anybody, any ladies that I'd go to the gun range and learn to shoot. And how many you got on average now? About 15 women. And some of them can actually shoot the gun. You know, you start thinking about that kind of fellowship and you're either encouraged or it helps your prayer life. Because some of these ladies have never held a gun in their life. Is that right? Never held a gun. I just pray you're not packing at church until you learn how to handle that thing. <laughs> but, but all these fellowships, all these fellowships that have started, it's a wonderful thing. I think about the volunteers. We actually have no paid janitorial staff. I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> no, no, really, that's a joke because they're doing a great job. I mean, volunteers that are keeping this place clean. And the facility. If I hear you complaining about this facility, don't complain about this. This facility was given to us by God. At a time when we're in the wilderness and all of a sudden, just, a, just, just, just happenstance, just happenstance that Community Bible Baptist bought another property and they're leaving this property. Are you Come on, man. That doesn't just happen. God gave us a place to meet. We made an offer on the property. They accepted our offer. And now, now, now that we know we're going to own it, right? Now we can start meeting with some of our leaders and start planning how to renovate it and make it the GEM on the block, all right? Just so you know, I don't have a vision for a Walmart, but I do have a vision to multiply what's happening here. And I don't know what that looks like yet. The Lord's going to show us. Whether that means buying another property down the road in Seminole, or Tarpon Springs, because we got people coming from there. We got people coming from Tampa. I'm open to whatever the Lord wants to do. Out of the box in the Bible. I want to think out of the box in the Bible. I don't want to do it just because we've always done it that way. I'm open to whatever the Lord has. And I hope you are. Now get this. We made an offer on the property. They accepted our offer. I think it's a good price. 
And it looks like, you better sit down for this. Good. It looks like the closing is going to be within 60 days. That's from a few days ago when they accepted our offer. Within 60 days, we're going to close. And it looks like we're going to be able to pay cash for the project. That's, it's just, you kidding me? And what that is going to allow us to be able to do for missions, for outreach, because we are a lean, mean kingdom machine. And we've been able through our collective offerings to save money, all right, and now to see where we are. And, and, and for God to be able to give us something debt-free and for us to be able to, to do things like the Mahaffey Theater. I got a vision for Ruth Eckerd. We've never been to Ruth Eckerd. Let's go get the people up in that area and invite them. And people will come to meetings like that. And because we're a lean, mean kingdom machine, we're going to be able to pay for things like that and to be able to do it without pressure. I mean, God's just 42 weeks, 42 weeks we've been going. And I don't care who you are. If you look, if you look at, if you look at, if you look and don't acknowledge the Lord's doing something fresh, he's doing a fresh work. I got more evangelistic juice than I've ever had before in my life. But as I close, as I close, how's this going to work? I don't want to pastor a big church. How's that going to work? More evangelistic juice than ever before, but I don't want to pastor a big church. (laughs) God's laughing too. Here's the question. Because it's a message to the corporate body, but the response is only measured by individuals making decisions. Four minutes. Here's the invitation. If you have not gotten involved in fellowship, why not? Why not? Maybe God's telling us, some of us, to start a fellowship. You say, well, I like that shooting thing. Man, I go, yeah, well, there's one already going for ladies, but maybe we need to start another one. I don't know. But you get a, it's free enterprise. As long as you're not a weirdo and as long as you're not doing something unbiblical and as long as you're making Jesus the center, it's not just a social hour. We're fellowshipping around Jesus. That's the key. If you haven't gotten involved in fellowship, why don't you step through that open door? Because in the relaunch, that's one of the things God's doing. If you're not volunteering somewhere, why not? Why not? Why don't you join the cleaning team? Why don't you join the parking team? Why don't you join? There's ways you can get involved, practically speaking. And my goodness, if you're not giving to the Lord through the church, and there's so many ways to do it. You can do the box in the back. You can do online. You can do text giving. You can do snail mail to our P.O. box, however you want to do it. And with the relaunch now, Look, your money, our money to the Lord is going to go so much further because we're a lean, mean kingdom machine. And the future, man, I don't know how God's going to do it, and I don't know all the ways he's going to do it, but he's spoken to me and my wife both more than once. We believe our most fruitful days in ministry are ahead, and that means your most fruitful days in ministry are ahead. Sometimes it's a Gideon kind of experience. And God says, I'm going to shake things up and you won't understand it. All right. But I'm going to reduce it in order to expand it.
We're so glad you tuned in today for Pastor Danny's message in the book of Revelation. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of the messages from this series, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. We'd enjoy connecting with you on social media, too. Find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and jump into the conversations there. Find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. And if you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we want to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people, being made holy by our perfect Creator, and we know that you'll fit right in. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. to worship God, read His Word, and get to know each other better. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. With that, our time with you has officially come to an end. There's much more to learn from the pages of Revelation, so we hope you'll tune in again, right here on The Living Word.